live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author and author of the brand new book coming out in two weeks, Building a Non-Anxious Life, is my co-host today. Thanks for joining us. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Peter is with us in Miami, Florida. Hi, Peter. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. How can we help? So uh, I'm wondering what role you think I should play in helping my financially irresponsible mother. Mm. You know, one of the things that it's weird about that question uh, for a lot of us is when we face that is it seems like money is in a different category than other misbehavior. Mm -hmm. If you changed out her misbehavior for something else, a different kind of misbehavior or irresponsibility, um, what would the, how would the answer change? It it shouldn't really, should it? It ought to be the same answer. So in other words, if we wanted to go extreme and say, how do I help my mom who's addicted to cocaine? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it wouldn't be give her more. Right. It would be help her break the habit and transform her life. That's help. Help is not doing more of the bad thing. Help is correcting the behaviors. So, and of course, the person that involves the person on the other end wanting the help. Yeah, that's I usually run into. Well, Parents don't want your help; they want your solution, right? Yeah, I would. She, she, she just has no issues. Uh, you know, coming to me again and again and again and again, and a nibble here and a bite here, and you know, I I, I know that the big bite is coming. But hold on, but I hold on, hold on. To- Why wouldn't she come to you? Because you give it to her every time. <clears throat> right, I know. And so at this point, I don't even blame you're, her. You're anymore. a dependable enabler. Yeah, I don't even blame her anymore. I am, I am, and you know, it's it's the, the nibbles I don't mind, and I know that this is about the bad thing to say, but that's what got her to the bite. And you know, next thing I know, she's telling me that she rents she rents her house because she's been bankrupt, et cetera, so she can't get a mortgage, and she can't frankly afford a mortgage down here anymore. Um, so. She came to me because she needed money for movers. She needed money for her security deposit, her first month, last month, which I did all of that. Uh, And then I sort of dug into her finances and realized that you can't even afford this rent. So I tried to get ahead of that. And fortunately, I'm doing very well for myself and my family, but I'm doing well for myself and my family. Mm -hmm. And I've got two young children and a wife and a mortgage and a business to run. Um... So I, I just so I tried uh, to get ahead Peter, of it. how long how long has this been going on? Oh, I mean, her financially responsibility. No, you giving her money. On. You giving her money. How long has it been going on? Uh, probably five, six, seven years. How old is she? About seventy-three. Oh wow! And she's stone broke. Yeah, and recently widowed, which only you know made me softer. My my, my stepfather passed two years ago, three years ago. Mm-hmm. So obviously that I was trying to and, help. And, and what her. do you make? Uh, the family household income is probably three quarters of a million. Okay. And um, so it's not a matter of you can't or can, you can mathematically. Yeah. It's a matter of what's good for her. She's 73. She's probably not very employable. 
Um, I guess she has social security. She does have company. a job. I'm she, sorry. She does have a full time job. She does have a full time job. Okay, I'll, 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 I retract that statement. What does she do? Uh, she's a uh, customer service, and she has been for about 20 years at the same job. But you know, she's one fall away from uh, yeah. not being able to work anymore. Yeah. Okay. So. I'll tell you the financial answer, and I'll let John tell you the psychological answer, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, The financial answer, if I'm in your shoes, is I'm going to sit down with her and say, Mom, you have this coming in from your Social Security. You have this coming in from your job, and these are your bills. Let's do a a budget together, and um, you can make your bills, or you're within $400 of making your bills, or whatever it is, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I am not going to write checks just from today on without us having a sense of control over what's going on here. So I'll help you and coach you with your money, but um, it looks to me like you have enough to live on. Mm-hmm. And I'll help you and coach you live on that. Or if you don't have enough to live on, I'm going to give you $2,000 a month so that you have enough to live on. It's 24000 out of 750000 You can afford it. But you say, this is what we're doing. But then there, she needs to um, just it, – it, it's you're becoming bitter, and I would too, yes. because you feel like an ATM machine. Exactly. And, and, and then there's an entitlement that goes with this on her end. And so I would shut all of that down and just say, okay, this is a system, and we're going to live by this system and uh, draw some boundaries. And mom, if you don't want to do that, what I'm, if you don't want to live on the budget that you and I put together and that I check on you to make sure you're living on that budget, then, um, then I'm not going to help you anymore. And you're going to have to just figure it out because it's not good for you what I've been doing. And I'm sorry, I've let you down. John, what would you do? Yeah. I wonder if you're more frustrated with yourself than with her right now. Oh, yeah. 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 I, it's just, <clears throat> every time I try to get ahead of it, you know, for example, when, when she was looking at this rent, um, I said, you know what, I'm just going to buy her an apartment and then she can just pay me, you know, what she can afford. I, I was going to buy her an apartment outright and I was scrambling because she was looking for a rental that she couldn't afford. None of these places could she afford because we kind of not a deep dive, but we looked at her finances and then I realized, okay, it's, this is just easier for me to buy an apartment. At least then I can consider it a quote unquote investment of some sort. Um, and I presented her with it and she said, no, I don't want to live there. I'm just going to rent this other place. And that's hold on. And that's where you, who are clearly a special businessman to be able to make the money you make, you're clearly very, very smart. And I would be willing to bet nobody in your, in your sphere blows past you like that but she does right and i don't want you to consider um sitting down at the table and saying i'm looking that you at at the fact that you may be around until you're 93 20 more years Mm -hmm. we have to put some things in concrete right now i want you to tattoo this phrase on the middle of your forehead choose guilt over resentment every time because right now you're backing yourself into a corner because you won't set boundaries and you're beginning every time your mom calls you get angry yes and your mom quite frankly deserves better than that 
And that means you have to set the boundaries up. And then she as a 73-year-old adult can say, I hate you, you don't even love me, and you walk away. She's a grown-up and she gets to do that. I would hate that, but she gets to do that. Your job is to create boundaries that are sustainable for 20 years from this point forward. And by the way, sit with your wife and y'all decide what y'all are going to do to help her um, before you sit down with your with your mom. Yeah, how much you're willing to do. But the unlimited thread being pulled on the sweater is killing both of you. Yeah. You got to cut it. This- Jade Washaw, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Jane is in Knoxville. Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you, Dave? Better than I deserve. What's up? Oh, need so much up. I need one of them swords to slay a huge dragon. I may be your toughest case you've ever had. <laughs> anyway, my husband is around, he's fixing to be 65. I'm around 59. And we have 10 kids. I'm homeschooling my last one. She's 15. Anyway, long story short, um, I had to go to work. He got really sick, and so he can't work like he used to. So I'm now working. I started working this past year, and we are definitely need help. Um, we have um, quite a bit of debt, and I don't know where to start. So I have a car that we made a huge mistake and got a new vehicle, and uh, we owe about fifty-four, maybe 53000 on it, which is, I know, crazy. But we didn't really have a good vehicle for me to go to work in, so I, we did something stupid. So long story short, uh, how do we – that was my first question. Do we sell that to yes. try to get out of this debt? But I finally realized that we're old enough. We need to – wish we had these things in plan. But I've been a homeschool mom all my life, so yeah. this is all new to me. Yes. He's kind of what's, what's, the, what's the car opinion. worth? Um, probably 42, yeah. 43. What's your household income? Together now, we make almost about 85, maybe yeah. 80 to 85. Yes, you need to sell it. Okay. So yes, how do you do yes, that you shouldn't have bought a... it. Yes, you shouldn't have. Who's I got know. the loan? A Hyundai. Okay. How bad's your credit? It's good. I have good credit. Cause, yeah. Well, run over at the credit union or your local bank and get an unsecured loan for 15000 buy a $3,000 car, and cover the 12000 hole you're in and sell it. Okay, could you say that again? Okay. Go get you got to borrow the amount that the you're point. in the hole. Okay. In order to sell it, plus three thousand dollars to get a car. Okay. Because you got no car, right? No, he has his truck for the farm, but yeah. we don't have a car. Right, get you a little three thousand dollar car to get around, and you okay. don't you don't need forty three thousand dollar car to go to work. Okay, so is that the first thing to do? We have a tractor payment of forty and um, a small forty thousand dollars on a tractor. Yes, we have a 500-acre farm that he's trying to still take care of. Like I said, he got COVID really bad. He got really sick, almost died. So it changed our lives two years ago. Um, you live on the farm? Yeah. We do live on the farm. That's a long story, but we can't sell it because it, we found out it's in a trust that his parents had put in. So we, we take care of it. We have no money to take care of it but what we make, and so we can't sell it. So uh, sell the tractor and lease the land. Okay. Let somebody else farm it. Your okay. husband's sick and you can't afford the tractor and you're not making any money anyway. Sell the tractor, lease the land. That sounds great. Let somebody get out of another farmer to lease it. What's your husband been growing on it? Um, we have corn. Um, I'm trying to think what all he does. Uh, corn, soybeans. 
Um, they've they've done a lot of different stuff too. Yeah. I'm not even sure. I mean, if it's pretty standard deal, is other, another farmer in the area farms it, and you get a percentage of the crop as your lease payment. Okay, that's a pretty standard arrangement. I assume okay. that can go to you. I don't know. You you don't own it. I know it's a terrible situation. I don't know if it goes to the trust or not. No, it doesn't. I mean, we, if you me make money on the, the farm, you don't have to give it to the trust, right? No, we don't. Okay. Because we have to pay the taxes and all the stuff for it. Uh, it's just in a, it's just in a trust. I mean, all the land's tied up in a trust. Who is the parent? I'm sorry. What did you say? That's okay. I'm I'm uh, I'm aghast. Um, yes, so am I. This is we not a blessing. So this is his family farm. Mm-hmm. His grandpa had it. Yes. His grandpa's grandpa had it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they don't in, they they put it into a trust so that it doesn't get sold. That's exactly. And then we didn't realize that we actually paid money for the house when we moved here, but we did not know until after they passed away that they actually put the house in with the trust. So we don't even own the house. Okay. Wow. And so I assume upon your death that the trust goes to your kids. Yes. They're cursed with this as well. That's exactly right. Yeah. Wow. I guess there's no way to do anything about it. I don't know. I don't either, but I'm going to see an attorney uh, and try to figure out because I don't, my obligation to a toxic situation is pretty low. Um, I mean, what happens to this beautiful plan if you all just move off? I don't really know. You quit paying the taxes. That's that's my question. Yeah, the trust will get, trust will lose it if you don't pay the taxes because you're getting no benefit from this thing at all. No, we're not. And there's no penalty on them. That's why we are where we are. Who is the trustee? My husband is. The trustee, the trustee. You need to go see an attorney. Okay, do you recommend one that might uh, No, I go to an estate planning attorney there in Knoxville. Find, Ask around, find out who does good estate planning work, because this probably needs to be busted up. I hate to sell family land like this, but it has become a curse rather than a blessing. That's right. And I yeah. love land, and I love family tradition and legacy, and I'm about as, the older I get, the more emotional I get about that kind of stuff. But this has not been a blessing to you, and it's not going to be a blessing to your kids. That's right. Because it's poorly structured. And so y'all need to figure out what the flip. So go, yeah, spend a little money on an attorney. Let's get out of the car and get out of the car deal and get out of the tractor deal. What other debt is there? Uh, We have a personal loan for about 30 that we just had to live on since he got sick. And that's really it. Because you have so many payments, you can't breathe. Yeah, that's right. And nothing really. And nothing coming (laughs) in. Well, once you get out of that car and tractor, you'll be able to throw something at that personal loan and knock that out. Yeah. And then that'll be it. Right. Yeah, just tear that down and tear down whatever hole you're in on the car, and you may be in a hole on the tractor as well. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe you can get a farmer to take that tractor and buy it as a part of leasing the deal That's if good. you want to. Investigate that, but also investigate uh, busting up the trust, which, by the way, will solve the whole problem because now you're in control of the asset. You can sell off you know, 50 acres of this, and all of a sudden you've got some money, and you're debt-free. So, um, and keep a 450 of it. I mean, you'd be just fine. So, Dave, you get in a, you, somebody passes away and you're part of a trust or you're part of their will. You can't, you can't just simply decline and say, I don't want it. Well, you can fail to perform the things they're asking to perform. The weird thing here is that he's the trustee. The trustee's who has the control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so depending on, I'm not an attorney, but depending on how the trust is written, 
the trustee is supposed to execute the terms of the trust, but also the tr- if somebody's going to break it up, it's going to be the trustee and her husband's the trustee. Yeah. So if it was some third party attorney or his uncle or somebody was the trustee, then he, you know, you might not be able to get anywhere with it. But when you're the trustee of your own trust, I mean, that's yeah. weird. It's weird. That but is it weird. Can, yeah. So um, somebody was trying to do something good and honorable and nice and keep them, keep yeah. it in the family. But uh, instead, they handcuffed the family yeah. and um, have left them in a toxic situation. So that's what you've got to be careful of, of these things that go in perpetuation. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a small example of that that's not nearly as uh, emotional is, you know, we just went through the um, if Dave dies this year meeting mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. my family and with the leaders. I have to do this Monty Python meeting every year. I'm feeling much better. It's just a flesh wound. And um, we just talk about what happens this year if Dave dies. So one of the things that one of the tenants is it's written down and that we go over in that meeting every year is that uh, nothing that we do at Ramsey Solutions is to be kept alive because it was Dave's dream. Okay, that's good. You're set free from sacred cows. That's good. You should put a bullet in all sacred cows and eat them. Turn them into <laughs> hamburger. Although you would not eat them. I was going to say, do we have to eat them, Dave? Can we just... I want to eat them, but you, I'll be dead and you're a vegan, so I'll, we're screwed, I'll turn right? it into a leather jacket. Yeah. How about that? There we go. Now we're talking. <laughs> Get some use out of that burger, out of that beefalo. But anyway, yeah, the, the, the sacred tech cows. And that's, that's what these things become, especially yeah. generationally like this. Yeah. Where you're like four generations down and what You can't have the foresight to know what what's gonna happen for I, I wanted to turn my now. I turned the kids loose and the Ramsey team loose from doing something that I thought was good thirty years ago or twenty mm-hmm. years ago. Kill it. Move on. I want them to turn loose emotionally and legally. Yeah. You you go to the next thing. Go go to what God has given you to do. That's good. This is the Ramsey show. I want to tell you a true story. I got a letter from Fran in Virginia once. She and her husband, Gary, were loaded down with debt. They decided to get serious and worked for over two years to pay off $65,000. They were able to buy their dream home. Gary had just started a new job and things were looking really good. Six months later, Gary unexpectedly died. Wow. Tears my heart out. Besides the grief and shock, Fran had no income, was on her own, and her Social Security benefits couldn't pay the mortgage. Talk about feeling lost and alone. The only good part of this story is that Gary had term life insurance through Xander. So Fran was able to deal with her grief without being overwhelmed with money issues. Sad story, but I share it with you to make a point. For over 25 years, I've been telling you about the importance of term life insurance and protecting your family. Having life insurance is what responsible people do for their families. It's why I tell you every day to go to Xander.com or call them at 800-356-4282. George Camel, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Royalty is in the house. Uh, one of the top YouTubers in America today, or in the world for that matter, Graham Stephan has become good friends with me and uh, through George. I was good friends with George long before that. I've been a, blessed to be on his show a couple times, and he's dropped by here once before, and uh, they were in town. So he and Jack and I just um, just did a version of his ice coffee house. And did I say that right? 
Iced coffee hour. Hour. Iced coffee hour. <laughs> it's like hour. smart money happy hour. It would be in the house, but there we go. Yeah. So if you don't know who Graham is, you need to check him out. $130 million worth of real estate he has sold in his life. He does a YouTube channel on finance and on real estate, and it's a lot of fun to check out Graham Stephan. Be sure and do that. And uh, they had uh, last month they had about 100 million viewers on all of their various forms of TikTok and everything else, and four and a half million subscribers on YouTube. So uh, if you don't know who he is, it's because you're not in that format, and that's the only way it's possible. You're not that hip. All, you of, don't us, all of us who hang out anything around that know who Graham Stephan is. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back on. So good to have this. you. So first question, because yeah. you, you and I both share this huge love of real estate, and these interest rates ticking up, highly unusual across the landscape of the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, are you seeing, what are you seeing out there? Slow down, uh, prices. What are you seeing? It's definitely slowed down a lot. So what I've noticed a lot of the smart money, it seems to be either buying real estate in cash or they're waiting on the sidelines. And I think a lot of people look at real estate from an investment standpoint and think, why would I buy real estate today? Making a six to maybe 7% return when I could use the same money to buy treasuries without any work, any risk at five and a half percent. And there seems to be a tipping point right now where, where deals are very difficult to come by. There's a lot of competition and sellers are locked in to these very low mortgages. They have very little incentive to sell. If they have a mortgage that's 4%, why would they sell and replace that with a 7 or 8% mortgage? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, consum- so, investors aside, consumer to consumer seems yes. to be having that discussion. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're saying... Yeah, I could sell my house. The price is still really good, but then I got to go buy a house at 3x or 4x the interest rate. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I could refinance it later, but they're really not thinking that way. They're thinking, uh, I'm just going to wait on this a minute. Yeah. And well, I think 60% of mortgages right now are locked in 4% or less. Yes. Substantial. Yes. That's almost all of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the, the number below 2% is bizarre. Yeah. That's out there. So cool stuff. So uh, stock market's doing well. Yeah, and it has tre- been. Like you said, the treasury's there. But that's the little secret. Everybody in the media, the mass media in particular, is talking real estate and failed to mention that the S&P in the last 12 months has done about, what, 16 18%? About that. At the peak, it was up almost 20%. Yeah. Wow. And that's just yeah. the S&P. I mean, that's just, if you just bought an index fund, which people do with their eyes closed, right? You know, yeah. that's, no, that's a no brain, no thought thing. If you actually invested and thought about it and studied a little bit, you could do better than that. Yeah. I and mean, Graham, I'm curious, a lot of your videos, of course, for YouTube, we have to be a little salacious, right? There has to be a little to. doom and gloom to yeah. get the people to click. But what are your real thoughts when it comes to the economy? What's going to happen in 2024? Where do you think things are heading? Are what you been dooming and glooming on your YouTube? Uh, yeah, well, you, you have, have to, because otherwise people don't click. Though my videos, I like to be pretty unbiased. I like to share the facts, present the entire picture, let people come to their own conclusions. But if you don't make a somewhat negative title, oh, okay. no one the will negative click. Sell. The <laughs> videos itself usually are, are pretty positive overall, but you have to lean into that because otherwise people just don't pay attention. But you seem like an optimistic guy. You know, just talking to you, you are very optimistic about the future, about oh, finances, totally. where the economy is going, and you're invested in the stock market and real estate. Yeah. Well, I think you could do well regardless of how the economy does. I think that's a component of it, and it might be a bit short term in terms of the next few years. I have no idea what, what could happen. Everything that I would think is going to happen turned out opposite. I would have no prediction in terms of what might happen. But I think long term, uh, I believe in myself, my ability to make money, I think for most people, 
they have a lot more direct control than they think. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you're betting on the American economy long term. I think so. And of course, I diversify. I have international exposure as well. But it's a small component. But I do think that's important. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is, is that people get confused between investing and speculating. Mm-hmm. Speculating is a purchase that you're going to turn fairly quickly. It does, it's not an evil word. It's just not investing. Investing always involves a long-term time horizon. And when you're investing with a long-term time horizon, let's call it five years or more, 100% of the time I'm comfortable with the stock market. Oh, it's down. Then get in. It's on sale. You know, 100% of the time I'm comfortable with the real estate market. Well, I don't know. Five years from now, you're going to not be doing that. You're going to be glad you bought a property. Mm-hmm. You know, so a long-term time horizon, like you said, uh, to me, it, it just smooths everything out and change, you know, then you've got historical track records and things start to kick in. Do I know what it's going to do between now and this time next year? So I could do a flip. No, that would scare the crud out of me. That's why a lot of home builders aren't building specs right now. Yeah. Mm. They, they yeah, can't, they can't, you can't predict it. I mean, e- economists and weather forecasters, the only people can be wrong half the time and keep their job. Right. Absolutely. And then you could be right once. And, and then, then you're claim a genius. That forever. You're a genius. That was my that. one thing. Exactly. You could write three books. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, Graham. You're yeah. getting uh, married next year. Yes, it's I am. very exciting. Yeah. This I didn't know. And you didn't know this. I got announced I, I thought we. Congratulations. I know we. I thought you knew about this. This is public yeah. knowledge, right? I didn't break yeah. this news. <laughs> no, you did not break. Well, the news. I'm curious. Yeah. You were asking Dave in an interview earlier, which little teaser there about you know his relationship with his wife Sharon mm-hmm. and marriage. Is there anything you're Curious about, kind of maybe nervous about when it comes to finances and and combining those? Not really. Macy and I are pretty attuned when it comes to money. Uh, And she's naturally very frugal. Like Like you. Yeah. And to some degrees, I would say it's it's a good balance because I'll certainly go out. I don't fret anymore of like going to dinner and spending $100 on the bill. Whereas like five years ago, that would be like, well, if I spend $100 here, I could cut back $100 over here, and then it balances out. And if I if I skip this over here, then I could, I don't do that anymore. So I've, I've really come Learn into- Learn to enjoy your money a little bit. Yes. Yeah. To a certain, I'm still frugal, but not to the same degree. You notice that's like, when he got married. Ah, now, <laughs> it's, now when it's he lightened up a little there. bit. I lightened up a <laughs> Just bit. Just a yeah, little bit. A, a, little a little bit, bit. yeah. So you and Macy are both tightwads, and so later you'll make little tightwads. This is great. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. so fun. This is great. Well, a bunch well, of cheapskates. What are you yeah. willing to splurge on these days as you've started to like let go of some of that and enjoy it a little more? I would say experiences are something that in the past I would usually forego that to work more. So I would say experiences... Uh, I would say dinners are something that I've really been enjoying and going out to eat a few times a week. And I would say saving time, which is something that I've never really oh, done spending before. money for time-saving conveniences. If, if I could, uh, like for instance, if I get a nicer seat on the airplane, but that means that maybe I could work a little bit better. If I have a slightly larger seat, I could, I could put my computer in front of me and if I could get something else done, I see that as a, as justifiable expense. So there's certain things that I could do to save time. Well, if you need any tips on spending, ask Dave. He's really good at enjoying his money. He loves experiences. He's traveling all over the world. So that's part of it is, you know, give, save, spend. You got to have balance. Yeah. So what's the biggest advice with you having one of the largest YouTube channels on real estate and money in, in the world today? What's the biggest piece of advice in this current environment you've got for folks listening? I think it really just depends on what their objective is. I mean, my big thing is always save as much as you can, spend less than what you make. I think those are just 
important qualities to have in terms of career though, because that's where I've really gotten the biggest benefit is just the channel and the outreach. Uh, the savings certainly helped, but the income that I made from that was certainly a big catalyst. But I truly loved what I do and I still do. It's like, to me, the work never felt like work. It was always something fun. And that's where things came really easy for me. And I feel like if people could find what they truly love to do, where it doesn't feel like work to them and they could spend all day doing it, that's how you typically will succeed in areas where others just can't keep up. That's your unfair advantage, I think. You're more creative, you're more energetic, and you have to watch because you work all the time. It's just fun. It's fun. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And congrats on the marriage. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Give Macy our love. Good stuff. Graham Stephan. Be sure and check out his shows on YouTube, The Graham Stephan Show. And one more time, the name of the show. Iced Coffee Hour. Check out Dave Ramsey on there. I messed it up. I didn't want to mess it up again. (laughs) Be sure and check it out. Thanks for stopping by, my friend. Thank you so much. This is The Ramsey Show. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Deborah is with us in Los Angeles. Hi, Deborah. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi. Thanks so much. I've been listening to you guys for years and appreciate all you do. Well, thank you. Um, I have. You're very welcome. Um, I have a question for you. I've been listening for a long time, and yesterday I went into. Um, to adjust my own investments because I um, we've been focused on other things. I wanted to get everything set up in the four different types of mutual funds you mentioned. And the guy um, who is not a uh, not a Ramsey uh, <laughs> certified uh, financial pro, but he um, he mentioned a term that I'd never heard before. When I brought up mutual funds, he asked me if I'd considered ETFs, and I have no idea or I hadn't heard what that was. He explained it to me and it sounds very similar to a mutual fund. So I was just wondering if you could clarify what the difference is and why a mutual fund is better than an ETF. I don't know that a mutual fund is better than an ETF. ETF just means exchange traded fund. And for purposes you would use it for, uh, they're very, very similar. They're almost identical. Uh, it's a group of, um, you know, a group of stocks, if you're buying an exchange, you know, typically what people will do for an ETF is something like an index fund, like an S&P 500. And so it'd just be a group of stocks in there. Now, sometimes uh, brokers will try to get you to buy and sell in your portfolio a lot, and they like an exchange-traded fund for that better. Um, And so if you're setting it up to do, like you'd set up a brokerage account to buy and sell stocks in, I would not use it for that. But if you're using it like a mutual fund just to buy and hold, you're going to find it's almost identical that you didn't really, you're not going to notice any difference in the practical use of it. So uh, sometimes I hear things like, well, Dave Ramsey's against ETFs. I'm not against ETFs. I don't mind. What I want you to have is a diversified portfolio, mutual funds, ETF is either one of those will give it to you. What I don't want you to do with an ETF is start buying and selling all the time. And I don't want you to use any vehicle of investing that that prompts you to constantly be jumping in and out, jumping in and out, jumping in and out. Because every time the 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 you know the 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 news is good, by the time the news is good on the stock market, you're late. You should have already been in. By the time the news is bad, it's already too late for you to get out. And so people that try to jump in and out based on the news, and you're not saying that, Deborah. I'm just saying, but in general, if you're trying to use an ETF to time the market, we call it, then then that use is not something that 
you know, that we would tell people to do ever because I don't time the market. I just buy and hold. I never sell it. I just buy and keep it. And, uh, and well, the stock market went down. Yeah, I know. Stock market went up. Yeah, I know. And if I just sit there, uh, then I'm fine. And so, but, but for your purposes, Deborah, I think he's fine as long as you're going to stick with it. And as long as he's not, your, your planner is not recommending the ETF for purposes of timing the market or buying and selling or constantly trading on your funds. I don't be trading on my funds all the time. I buy them and hold them. The only time I sell a fund is if uh, it's just completely underperforming its category over a long period of time. And I don't remember the last time I sold one. It's been a long, long time because I just I play long ball all the time, play long ball. I'm always thinking, what's this going to be 10 years from now? What's it going to be 20 years from now? Not 10 days from now, not 10 months from now. The emotions don't drive it. And again, Deborah, you're not being accused of any of that, but I'm trying to couch my ETF answer here so I don't get misunderstood again because I'm not anti-ETF. I'm anti-timing and I'm anti-constantly trading. Because it's effectively gambling. If you try to play the market, you can really get You're no longer investing, you're speculating. That's correct. Yep. And, and, and you are, you know, from a statistical standpoint, not a spiritual standpoint, you are gambling. Right. You know, and so, uh, and sometimes I hear people say in the, in the Christian world that I'm in, you know, they'll say stuff like, well, all, all stock market is, is gambling and you shouldn't be doing that. Well, you don't understand what gambling is. <laughs> gambling ha- is not based on, gambling is based on, a, it's a game of chance. Right. Yep. Meaning you don't have any control or any insight. That's right over the over the output that's right investing is you buy a piece of real estate why because real estate's always gone up and real estate in that neighborhood's a great neighborhood it's got nice trees and it's going to be good and whatever you know and or if you're in arizona nice cactuses or what i mean whatever it is right and so you know we're gonna but we have actual outputs that we're measuring and and we can look at the probabilities and it's not just a, a deck of cards that's right. it's not a slot machine there's a complete difference, and there's a difference in the spirit by which you go at those things. So none of that has to do with Deborah, but <laughs> but Deborah, thanks for the question. Jessica's with us in Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, thanks for having me on. Great. How can we help? Um, so my question is, I had received some money when my dad passed away. We used that money to pay off uh, vehicles and use it as a down payment on our house. And all we had for debt then was a mortgage. Since then, we've bought a tractor and built a barn. We were told to just let the money ride in the market. We were never going to touch it. That was, that was retirement money. As I've been listening to your show the last couple of weeks, I'm wondering if that was the best advice we were given and if we should pull the money from you know, the stocks and pay off our debt. And then Yeah, and then you need that, to quit buying crap you can't afford, like <laughs> barns and tractors. Uh, it, it, it's stuff needed for our oh, business. Oh, bull. <laughs> You're buying, you're buying stuff you can't afford. Okay? okay. You know how I know you did that? You borrowed on it instead of paying for it. If it was such a yeah. dadgum good investment, you would have already used daddy's stock money on that. Hello? Yep. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. I, my, my question is, do we pull the money from the, the stocks and... No, you don't, the, unless you're going to quit borrowing money and on the next thing that you rationalize and justify. But if you're stop rationalizing and justifying your purchases on debt, because you're going to eventually run out of this if you keep this behavior pattern going. 
But if you stop the behavior pattern and say, I'm never borrowing again, we're going to pay cash for everything we do from this point forward, then yes, we did this. But the last time you paid off all your debts, what'd you do? The next time thing that came up, you went back in debt. And so if I tell you to pay off this debt, next thing that comes up, you're going to go back in debt. I don't want that for you. That's not a, that's not a method to prosperity. That's a method to bankruptcy. And so you've got to put your, you know, you got to spit shake and, uh, pinky swear with your husband we ain't, we're not borrowing money anymore if you're going to do that then yeah take the money out and pay off the debt but otherwise you're destined to live a life of put and take we're going to pay it off then we're going to go back in debt we're going to pay it off then we're going to go back in debt and eventually we don't have any money to pay it off eventually you run out of the nest egg doing that so you've got to break this pattern and you were very clear we used some of the money cleared off all the debt wait how did we celebrate we bought a tractor in a barn and went back in debt You've got to break that cycle. You can't do that again and again and again. It, you know, there's an end to it, and the end ain't pretty. So that's what I want for you. Um, and there's no rationalization, no justification. You've got to be done. You'll be done. you got to decide. We're done. You know, it's an investment. It's always an investment. Everybody says everything's an investment that they want to buy, but most things aren't. Yeah, and this is a key point about Tractors behavior. Tractors aren't investments. Or the barn. So what happens is when you feel the need to have something, you have to go, okay, what's the least amount of thing that I need to do what I want to do? Could we have done a shed that we could have paid cash for? What's behind these purchases? Not prospective opportunities. I'm going to need this barn one day. If we don't need the barn now, then we don't need to buy the barn now. And I think that's where people have got to start looking at this and going, wait a second, what do I really need? Do I need a big tractor or do I need an old used tractor that'll do the job? And that's what people have to do or else you justify debt. Almost every one of us buy a different thing when we buy it with debt than if we had bought it with cash. I agree with that 100%. Almost every one of us. Yeah. And you buy a bigger, badder, cooler. That's correct. Crazier. Yeah. Nuttier. Yeah. Dumber. Right. Thing. You got to find a with, way because do it, it doesn't feel like it's real money when it's the bank's money. That's absolutely right. And that's the that's the trap of this. It's a it's a siren song. Yeah. And it, you, you know, you'll crash this puppy on the rocks. And that's what the sirens do to you. Look it up. This is The Ramsey Show. Dave here. You can find all of our shows with the Ramsey Network app on your smartphone. It's the only place to listen to the entire back catalog of episodes. Download the Ramsey Network app in your favorite app store today.